In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, like you, I have watched with horror as our cities have erupted in violence over this past week. Like you, I have found myself speechless, nauseous, heartbroken, and unspeakably angry. And before I go any further, I want to say a couple of things. First, there are people who, by virtue of their life experience, areas of study and expertise, are far more qualified than I am to address what is happening in our American moment. There are people who have experienced and have been addressing the inequity and racism that degrades our culture for decades upon decades, though many of us, we are only able now to hear them. I encourage you to seek out these voices and listen to what they have to say. I speak now only because my vocation insists I do not remain silent, not because I feel I have anything unique or genius to offer. And secondly, it's impossible to say everything with every breath. Nothing of what we're experiencing right now is easily reducible to a set of simple factors. And if we are to approach anything like real and lasting solutions, we will need to be able to see the world around us through a variety of lenses. This is made infinitely more difficult in a world reframed by the internet where each of us can find our own silos and echo chambers to confirm all our perspectives about the world rather than be confronted with the uncomfortable differences of the other. Inevitably, whatever I go on to say in the next few minutes, there will be some who begin to ask, but what about... Not everything can be said at once. But right now, I can say, racism is a sin and a cancer that must be excised entirely from the church. Likewise, indifference in the face of injustice isn't peaceableness. It's either a sign of selfishness or despair. You've no doubt heard me say at least a time or two that we live in a declining empire. Virtue has been hollowed out by greed and lust. Our cultural and civic leaders more often than not display little more than their own addiction to all manner of vice and submit to their base passions in almost all things. Our churches have become spaces for celebrity wannabes to work out their stagecraft. Our homes have been reduced to factories of consumption. We've turned marriage into an easily breakable contract and collapsed sex into a meaningless set of neuron sparks. We have gleefully taken an axe to the tree of human flourishing, misapprehending our own self-destruction and confusing it for freedom. We have desecrated the world and forgotten what it means to be a human being. In our amnesia, we have sought to forget God in an attempt to cease his existence. In attempting our own freedom, we have sold ourselves to demons, and I don't mean that metaphorically. What we have been witnessing, more concentratedly in these last few days, is nothing short of the demonic destruction of God's creation, the desecration and attempted erasure of his very image. Today is Trinity Sunday, a day when we seek to enter more deeply into the mystery of God's very life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
a mystery that is imaged for us in some small and strange way in the human beings around us. God's very existence is communal and fueled by other-directed love. As his image bearers, we are to live similarly in deferential love of others, seeking to make others strong, seeking to bind up the wounds of the hurting, and crying out for justice on behalf of the poor. Jesus Christ did not come to the world to condemn the world. The world, us, we have condemned ourselves already in subjecting the Son of God, who has given us life, to a tortuous death. Praise be to God that in Jesus Christ there is now no condemnation, because when left to ourselves, we choose condemnation every time. In diminishing others, we make less of ourselves. Alexander Solzhenitsyn famously said, If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being, and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? This fits with what St. Paul is telling us in our epistle lesson. He is not asking us to examine other people to see if they are in the faith. He is telling us that we must examine ourselves, test ourselves. Is Christ in us and with us? Or have we traded the demands of the crucified Christ for a civic religion that comforts us even as we deny our own humanity in denying the Imago Dei and those who don't benefit us? This is not to excuse us from the moral duty of speaking out in the name of justice, especially for those whose voice has gone unheard, but it is a stark reminder that it is time for judgment to begin with the house of God. We must each do the difficult work of reckoning with just how much more we have to repent of than most of us allow ourselves to admit. The anger and fear of this present moment will eventually burn off and smolder out, and the question is, what will we do with the time given to us, both now and later? In a very similar way to the COVID-19 crisis that, by the way, still faces us, our response must not be rooted in fear, but must instead be cultivated with all the tensile and difficult work of love. So much of our world seems to be disintegrating before our eyes, and yet, in the midst of all of this pain and turmoil, there is an opportunity for the church to become, again, a community from the future, a colony of little Christs who have the words of the Psalms ready on their lips, who are girded about with the belt of truth, with flak jackets made of Christ's own righteousness, and feet nimble and ready to take the gospel of peace to the far-flung corners of our city as a light in the midst of darkness. May the light of Christ, rising in glory, banish all darkness from our hearts and minds. Amen.